You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Uh oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that stuff gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hello and welcome to The Edge, the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show, now airing each and every week beginning in July on Wild TV in Canada. So uh, we've added not only now we have the Versus Network as well as Wild TV in Canada. I am your host, Aaron Martin. So happy to be here over uh, about the next 45 minutes. We are going to have the opportunity to speak with WBT angler Lisa Craig as well as Dr. Jay McNamara, author of The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, for his part two interview on time management. And if you're anything like me, uh, time management on the water, whether you're fishing recreationally or uh, competitively, it is an extremely important topic to cover. So he's going to shed some light on that. In addition, I'll also be announcing the winner of our weekly giveaway as well as tell you how to get involved in on the action. And finally, we will then go to the mailbag and answer this week's listener email question. But first, as I've been telling you, we've had some major announcements that's coming, and I want to share a few of those with you this week. Some very, very exciting updates that are being disclosed. First and foremost, right here on the edge. So uh, you are have the opportunity to hear it first. But we would like to welcome Legend Boats, Ardent Reels, and Superstart Batteries to our exclusive family of sponsors uh, moving forward into this next season. Bass Edge will proudly be running the new Alpha Series boats in the upcoming season. And if you are not uh, familiar with Legend Boats, and especially this new Alpha Series that uh, they have just come out with, they are based out of Midway, Arkansas. And be sure to visit their website at www.ridewithalegend.com, as well as uh, if you happen to see us out and about, we'd be more than happy to uh, to show off the boats, uh, take you for a ride uh, along those lines. Also, Ardent Reels. It's the second edition for the upcoming season. And they are the only reel totally made in the United States. And um, I've got to tell you, uh, you know, after using these for quite some time and doing some field testing on this, um, they are known for their superior casting distance and uh, this precision manufacturing that they have just absolutely mastered. But Bass Edge will be debuting the new XS1000, the XS600, the C400, and then also the S400, which will be new three new bait casting models. And uh, they'll also be adding two new spinning models uh, later in this year. But they are also manufacturers of the real butter and the real grease that uh, you've probably seen some of the ads in the BASS magazines uh, in the yellow packaging. And they actually hired an engineer to come in and perfect a real grease as well as uh, lubricant that is specifically designed for their reels. But be sure and visit their website at www.ardentreels.com. Superstart Batteries is another addition, and all of the Bass Edge boats will be equipped with the new Superstart AGM, which stands for Applied Glass Mat. Uh, batteries both in deep cycle and starting applications and this new technology uh, putting these to the test uh, again we did a significant amount of field testing on them also uh, just checking out their response to charging um, but again they are just uh, they're they're really really great batteries uh, to have on board but their batteries are available at more than 1700 
O'Reilly Automotive Parts locations nationwide. And for additional information, visit www.oreillyauto.com. And Bass Edge is also happy to announce the renewal of all of our uh, sponsors from last season, which includes uh, Ditch Witch, B&W Trailer Hitches, Keel Guard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Mother's Polishes, Waxes, and Cleaners, Cook's Go-To Tackle Systems, as well as Locker Bar. So exciting times ahead. Uh, Again, we're ramping up uh, to get ready for Season 2, and it looks like it is going to be a fantastic season. All right, there is still a lot of action ahead, so let's pause for a short break, and then we will join Lisa Craig for this week's Angler Spotlight. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. All right, we're back on The Edge, and if you uh, remember not too very long ago, we were down at the uh, PAA event at Lake Fork, Texas, and uh, had the chance to catch up with WBT angler Lisa Craig, who is uh, currently competing on that trail. So let's join Lisa right now. Uh, for that interview. Lisa, thanks so much for being part of The Edge. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've anticipated this interview for a very long time because predominantly the sport of fishing has been a participatory sport by men. Mostly, and, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and it's very exciting to see what is taking place uh, with the, the interest shown by women. Talk a little bit about how you got involved in the sport of fishing. Oh my gosh. It's just been a long lifetime interest, um, but I was prompted by another lady angler who was just full of excitement enthusiasm for the sport and it was so contagious I just had to find out what it was she had and she had the fishing bug so did you grow up fishing I mean I did but from the north um yeah grew up in Wyoming and my family um we trout fish, and I wow. like to trout fish, converted but I trout converted, fish. yes, yes, yes. But, um, yeah, there's not many trout down here, yeah. and, and bass is such a fabulous, uh, you know, a sport fish, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's fun to catch because the trout I eat, the bass go back. Yep, catch and release, right? Yep, quick. So when you moved down, what about approximately, was that about the middle of your life? Were you younger when you came out and picked up the sport of, of Oh no, I'm, I'm very green at this sport. I uh, started four years ago. Um, Judy Wong helped me out, got me going, you know, steered me in the right direction. I had ladies who were veterans give me advice. Of course, I listened for once in my life and have really done a good job with it because these women want to promote the sport and they're really willing to help new anglers because they're growing the sports sure. and they'll give you all the information you need. How was it in a sport that has been predominantly male? How was it trying to get into the sport even and keeping the competitive side of it you know, separate but just getting in and getting information? How are you received in the sport? With open arms. It's a wonderful sport. People are so welcoming. Um, they, again, want to make the sport grow, and I've, I haven't run into any obstacles at all. People are willing to help. Um, angling is a sport 
you know, that's that's going to grow because of that. Well, and it, the, the unique thing about angling or fishing or specifically bass fishing is that it can be enjoyed regardless of age, regardless of sex, exactly. regardless of physical you know, mm-hmm. skills or, or what have you, mm-hmm. but it's, it's just a very enjoyable sport. It is. And the old proverb of every day that you fish, it's not taken from your lifespan, yeah. it's true. So. What about, you know, because you currently fish the women's uh, bass tour, but, you know, did you go through the normal channels of joining a club and, you know, talk about your progression into the competitive side? (laughs) I jumped right in. (laughs) Just get in and do it. I started out as a co-angler, and that's usually where most tournament anglers start out. Um, I was trained for two years by world champions. They uh, would help you out, give you advice, whatnot. And then it's time to jump over to the pro side or the boater side. Uh-huh. Um, that's a big jump. There's a lot to learn. It's boat handling, finding fish, and catching fish. Co-angler was fun, but it's a good place to start learning. And that's where most people should start out. You know, as a co-angler, build up. Um, local clubs are great, but the ladies' circuits... Um, they help each other be comfortable with learning something new and a lot of people are a little nervous at new skills and um, if you've got a nice lady helping you it helps sure. it does so I would recommend a, a new lady angler beginning with the ladies tour you know what are some of the advantages by starting out as a co-angler oh gosh there's so much to learn it's a, a, a sport that has so many variables you know, from equipment to gear to, you know, what life jacket you're going to wear, what colors you have on. <laughs> but um, it, it, you just learn so much. And a co-angler is also an observer. You should be learning every second, watching, picking up tips, how-tos. And, um, you know, it's just a good place to start out. It's a stepping stone to becoming a tournament angler. Well, and talk a little bit about boating. Because that is something that I think is taken for granted a lot of times. It is taken for granted, and it's a very difficult job. There's a lot of responsibility. You have a co-angler with you or an observer, their life is in your hands. It's it's really hard. Um, it just takes practice. you got to have your time on the water, and any veteran will tell you, time on the water. Just get out there, practice, sunny, rainy, cloudy, windy, whatever. Get every condition under your belt and just practice. You know, you travel to a lot of different lakes. Um, how do you break down when you transition now that you are on the tour? You know, when you look at approaching that lake, what are some of the steps that you go through, whether it be mentally or physically, to prepare? Oh, gosh. Um, well, of course, I map study sometimes a year in advance, knowing where we're going, uh, preparing over the Internet, the computer, a lot of PR, networking, resourcing before I even get to that body of water. Then, of course, you know, you have the time that you can research it, talk to locals, talk to guides, you know, talk to people who have had experience on the lake. And then you have your official practice time. You just get on the lake. And I always look for something that's real familiar. Um, My favorite lake here is Lake Fork. I love to fish it. So I look for water that looks similar to my home water because I'm confident in how I fish it. And I feel confident that I can catch a fish in that type of water. So just get out on the water and go find something that looks familiar and catch them. So do you see that as starting with your strengths and then trying to build on that? Sure. Definitely build your pack. Mm, If that doesn't work, (laughs) that happens a lot. (laughs) Uh, Just keep trying. Just keep trying. You know, there's so many variables to these patterns. 
you just keep throwing stuff and, and you know, working it. And I don't know. I luck out. I'm really a lucky person. I don't know. Sometimes I'll throw something and bam, and I'm thinking, whoo, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and you build on it. Yeah, and build on it. Do you have a particular strength? Uh, you know, you, you hear a lot of discussion about, well, this person is branded as a person that throws jigs or, you know, spinnerbaits. Do you have any favorites? Definitely. I pitch a jig. I love to pitch. Just the accuracy and the consistency that you need to be a good pitcher, mm -hmm. it's always at a target. And it's more like fish hunting. It adds an element to fun for me. I love to pitch. And I use a lot of jigs and a lot of pegged plastics while I pitch. And it's just a lot of fun to me to catch fish that way. Um, it's more action-packed because you're close to the boat. And as you catch that fish, you know, there's a short distance to get it in the boat. You know, and a few things like that that I think um, help me catch fish by using that technique. Well, and the technique of pitching is, you know, the underhand cast. Mm -hmm. It has a lot to do with presenting the bait. It does. How critical is it that you... Absolutely critical. Pitching, you have to let that lure enter the water silently. It has a vertical fall, and that's when you're going to get that fish. They don't even have time to see the line. I use a lot of braid. It's a very heavy line. You put it in, you yank them out. It's easy because you're fishing trash. And I say trash not as in pollution, but lay down, log jams, you know, just places that stuff that floats, stuff that floats yeah. in grass and things like that. So I'm pitching to that target. Um, it's a specialized technique. The trajectory of your lure is just level with the water, and it has a silent entry. You surprise that fish. It hits. You yank it out. It's in the box. Lickety split. That's my Get favorite. <laughs> Get it in the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Get it in the boat. Well, and, and, you know, with the process of pitching, is also kind of a derivative of that is, is skipping. Yes. You know, talk yes. a little bit about that. Well, like you said, it is a derivative of pitching. Um, it's an awesome technique to use. You could be pitching or skipping up under a dock, or there's a lot of times branches or overhangs. You can get lures in the most, you know, tight places, up and under or around or, well, you know, anywhere. Well, today's educated angler, because in my mind, the average fisherman is becoming more and more skilled. Uh, Absolutely. In positions that yes, you do. You practice in the driveway. A neighbor comes out and says, "Hey, there's no fish out there." Yeah, yeah. It takes practice. So do you set up a course, or do you just? I do. I do. Um, I practice pretty often. It is a skill, and it's a learned skill. And that's all it takes is a little practice, and you can get really good at it. It's a very effective way to catch fish, and it's fun. And you know, we're teaching our kids casting, mm -hmm. pitching, and flipping. You know, and they're learning skills that they can take out on the water. Sure. What about, why do you choose a jig? I mean, other than, I know we're going to talk in a second about cake plastics, but what is so effective about the jig? They're big and mean and ugly, and they have sharp hooks, and, and they catch fish, and they catch quality fish. And I'm willing to catch the, the bigger fish and have fewer bites, but it happens. I love jigs. I love jigs. A lot of my mentors have used jigs, and again, you by, by watching another angler, you learn... And I've seen an awful lot of fish caught on jigs. Is it a year-round bait in your opinion? Yes, completely. It's very versatile bait. It can be hopped, it can be skipped, it can be drug, it can be swam, it can, you know, any water column level. It's a very versatile bait. So when you fish the jig, is it predominantly at targets at laydowns? Or it at is. Rock piles? For me, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
and do you notice that you're catching more of them on the fall, or is there any particular time, or does it... you got to let the fish tell you. Okay. And what do you mean by that? You know, we, mm. we hear that a, a lot of times. Let the fish well, tell you, or, you know, somebody from the outside looking in, or the fish don't have... Talk a little bit about that, what you use. Well, if fish can't talk... How do you hear them calling your name? <laughs> I don't have that problem. <laughs> they call me all the time. <laughs> Come fishing. Um, after the first two or three fish that you catch, you'll figure out a pattern of how they're hitting, how they're striking. Is it on the downfall? Is it when it just sitting? You know, is it when you hop it? And they'll tell you. It's just the pattern. Well, and often if they're not responding, that's telling you something too. It is. Yes, it very much is. Um, people get often get frustrated. Well, you know things aren't going this way. That can be looked at, you know, two ways. Then you know what to build upon. Right, right. It is. It's fun. Yeah. It is. It's a great game. What about the trailers that you use on your jigs? You know, do you go with <clears throat> using one and in particular, or do you go across the board? Uh, I go across the board. It's, it's, um, okay. It's based on how pretty it is. <laughs> I match my trailer to my jigs. Um, I have my favorite is peanut butter and jelly. So there's a little purple, a little brown, and depending on the cloud cover, um, whether I use dark with sparkles or light without, and um, you know, and that again is just experience that I have seen other anglers do. And I'm just going to copy them, you know. But if the blue trailer works great on a black jig, I'm, you know, going to copy it. So I if you had a thing. cloudy day versus a high skies, bright and sunny, what would be the extremes of what you choose a color based on, mm -hmm. you know, those two conditions? Well, again, that's just seeing other anglers and learning from other anglers. And the few that I listen very closely to have recommended the darks during the dark days and the lights during the light days. And it's productive. Productive, yeah. What size of jig are you throwing? I throw big jigs, halves, three quarters. You know, big big jigs in the winter, okay. one ounce. Transition a little bit now to you had spoken before about peg to plastics. Mm -hmm. um, what explain what that apparatus is? Um, a, a peg plastic is any soft bait, whether it is plastic or not. It's, it's just a soft bait. And the weight is pegged into the bait. Sometimes the weight has a screw on it where you just screw it in and it pegs itself. You may have to use a piece of rubber peg. Some people use a toothpick, but it pegs the weight to the top of the soft plastic. And of course, the hook is in, in the soft plastic. And it, it's similar to a jig. A lot of people use soft craws or you know a bug of some sort that would resemble a crawfish. And, um, and they use that. So, so by pegging, because obviously by pegging that, it's going to keep that, that weight stationary or from sliding up mm -hmm. and down the line. Right. What is the reason to do that, in your opinion? I mean, are there certain applications that you want it pegged and certain that you don't? Sure, sure. Um, it's, well, unpegged, of course, would be similar to your Texas rig, but it's all all how you want that lure to be presented. You don't want it to fall straight down, or if the weight is in front of it, of course, it's going to be a little bit behind it, so it's all how you want your, your lure to react. I want mine to fall straight down, bonk them on the head so I can catch them. Yeah. Then the braided line that you spoke about, mm -hmm. Um, any reason why you, you like to throw braid or the advantages of braid? It's durable. It's very strong. Um, it lasts. Um, there's so much abrasion factors in pitching. All the timber, the wood, 
the grass, and um, it's a lot stronger than, say, the other lines. Braid is very durable, and it's very strong, and when you set the hook with braid, there's no stretch. There's, um, you know, flexibility, and I never, hardly ever, you know, miss a fish on braid, because that hook sets immediately. There's no resistance time. And uh, I just like it because there's no stretch. I use 65-pound test. Um, the and diameter. Talk a little bit about that because okay. uh, for those that don't understand the, the technology behind braid, actually, it's you know you can get some very high tensile strength on right. the line. But, right. You know when you think compare that to say a mono or something like that, you would think, oh my yeah. god, it's huge. It, it sounds huge, but the diameter is really quite small, even smaller than a mono. And a lot of the packages, if you'll read it, are comparing the diameter to that same pound test mono. And it's amazing. It's, you know, it's, it's really fine. Um, it's, a, it's a small diameter, and you can put a lot on your, on your reel because of that. And uh, it's just a great line. I love braid. It's fun. And it's strong. You know, it's, it's the important thing. It's strong. I, you, your line's not going to break. You're going to rip that fish up and out, get it in the boat, and it's not going to break. Yeah. And so, that's very important. Very important. Whether you're fishing a tournament or whether you're just right. enjoying it on the weekend. Right. I mean, you, right. you want to make sure that you get the fish. It doesn't work all the time. It's very visible. Um, but so clear water would probably not be a good Not a so. what, um, And let's shift gears a little bit again okay. with, you know, obviously you're married. Um, talk how critical is support in, you know, being an anchor and traveling and having a schedule? Critical. Very critical. 100% support or it couldn't be done. Um, it's a very hard job. You're on the road. You're on the water. It's something out of the ordinary. It's not seemingly normal. Um, you know, you miss your kid's soccer game on Saturday. There are a lot of sacrifices. Some days you wonder, is it worth it? It's really, really hard. But these women and men that, that tournament fish make the sacrifices. It's worth it, though, because you're really doing something that, you know, you're like living a dream. I think every one of us that do this, it is a dream. And, and we are truly blessed to be able to do that. And none of us could do it without that 100% support. Well, that's, you know, and often asked, you know, as far as the involvement and things like that, but it's hard to put into a bottle or quantify the passion and explain it really is I know it is it's very hard to explain that people wonder why you've abandoned your family to go fishing it is some type of fishing disease the great thing about that is, is it's a sport it is a sport so enjoy I know myself right. I mean that's what changed my life was being able to share right. that experience with others right. and it is family oriented you can stay together as a family. It's the competitive angler that's got a little bit of a harder time because there is so much time away. But when your family supports you and you're out there and you know you have that, it's good day fishing. That's it's right. fun. Come yeah. See the smile. Right. The smiles. Yes, your fan club and your cheerleaders, you know. And so your daughter brings a friend and then your neighbor brings a friend and they're all behind you. And it's just a wonderful feeling to see them out there when you're on stage. It makes it all worthwhile. So let's say for maybe females that aren't necessarily looking to aspire to become a professional angler, 
but that are looking for ways to get involved. There has to be some intimidation, and hopefully we're going to be able to change that as we yes. progress. Yes. But what are ways, what advice can you give the aspiring female angler who wants to, to break into this world? Go make friends with another lady angler. Just walk up to them and tell them you want to learn about the sport, and I promise they'll be all over it. Every lady angler wants to help this sport grow, and if you're a lady and you want to become an angler of any type, just go find a lady angler. And are there resources out there? I mean, oh sure, to access tons of resources, websites, um, mainly all kinds of things on the website. Of course, you know, books, TV. Um, well, and the advantages of once you do that and you make that first contact, which sometimes can be the hardest, but right, once it that is. happens, you know, you really realize suddenly that it's a big family. It is. It is truly. And it is probably intimidating to go up and just at the first time, but I promise lady anglers have this heart of gold. There's a halo of some sort around them, and they will help you. I promise they will help you as a lady angler whatever you need. I mean, the sport will grow because of that. It's just going to take a little time. Um, it is a new sport. More women are becoming comfortable with that. And if the rest of us, and I'm speaking for all the lady anglers, um, they want to help. They would like to grow the sport, I can guarantee. How has that approaching into the industry, because obviously as a uh, professional angler, you know, it's very important to have sponsors to be able to do mm -hmm. this. How were you received in the business side of the, of the fishing part of it? It was um, a little, they were just a tad timid about it um, because it's new again. It's an unknown territory. It's not been chartered, and they still kind of have that wait-and-see approach. So we're just going to show them how well we can do, you know, where we're at, the things that we've done, and it'll come around. It will. Well, it's very exciting. It is exciting. <laughs> and when you look back at the history, I think, you know, looking at participation by females, that mm -hmm. has really made just quantum leaps. It has. It years. has, yes. Any thoughts on where the direction or the future inside scoop on? Nowhere scoop? but up. <laughs> Nowhere but up. It's it's just so exciting. It's amazing. Well, and you have a, you know, in, in closing, I want to, because I want to be able to provide this resource, you also have a website, is that correct? I do, yes, I do. Um, what, is, what is the website that... that our listeners can go to okay, great. And, and check out you know some information mm -hmm. as far as yourself and you know just getting into the sport as a female. Okay, it's fishalotlisa.com. Okay, yep, well, fishalotlisa.com. Yeah, yeah, that's a nickname. Uh, on the water all the time, and it just kind of stuck, and I really like it. But I'm going to change it someday. Well, Lisa, you are truly a disciple for, uh, for the sport and also particularly for female anglers. Thank you. I appreciate you. so thank much you taking time yes. out to join us here on The Edge. Well, thank you for having me. Hey, thanks, Lisa. Next up is the product giveaway, but first we need to take a quick break, and then we will be right back to announce this week's product giveaway winner. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 tow and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. 
Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. All right, we are back on The Edge. Each week, uh, we randomly draw a winner for the received entries for some great products uh, that are provided by our sponsors. And to register uh, for that, all that you need to do is send in an email to podcast at BassEdge.com and then just include in the subject line listed product giveaway as well as your name and address within the body of the email but this week we have a complete bass edge season one dvd set so uh be whoever gets that will get to see the entire season as well as the uh, hours of extended footage that was not able to uh to be shown on television but the winner of this week's prize package goes out to justin from Rockland, California. So congratulations, Justin. We will get your prize shipped out this week. Okay, let's head to our listener email section where each week here on The Edge, uh, listener questions are answered by the Bass Edge Pro staff. And if you send us a question, we will automatically enter you into the weekly drawing. So please, uh, if you have a question that you would like to get answered, uh, get that sent in to podcast at BassEdge.com. But this week's question is from Jeff in Santee, California, and his question is, what effects, if any, does the moon play in fishing? And uh, Jeff, this is a really just a, a good question. And recently, our publishing editor, Mr. Steve Brigman uh, for BassEdge.com, did an article on this very topic, and uh, he posed some questions to the infamous uh, Doug Hannon, formerly known as the Bass Professor. But uh, Steve's reply is this. The gravitational pull of the moon affects many things on Earth, including volcanic eruptions and tectonic events such as earthquakes. That same force affects fish in a number of ways. Solar lunar tables are a good indicator of when these effects on fish are the greatest throughout a given day and month. And the moon, it also affects the spawning of fish as sort of a clock so that they may produce the greatest amount of young or offspring at one time to overload the predators and uh, to keep the predators from killing all the new, uh, all the new hatch. But uh, for additional information, um, Jeff, make sure that you and the other listeners read a complete uh, discussion of this on our feature article on www.bassedge.com because this is a... A very, very deep, deep and broad-based uh, subject that uh, you're exactly right. It does have a tremendous effect on that. So thanks so much for the question, and don't forget to send yours in. Let's pause to take our final break, and we will come back to hear what Dr. Jay McNamara has to say about managing your time on the water. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's go-to tackle system keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's tackle system by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. All right, we are back on the edge, and once again this week, back-to-back weeks, and uh, I'm loving every minute of it, as, as they say, but we are joined by Dr. Jay McNamara. Jay, thanks uh, thanks again for, for joining us here on the edge this week. My pleasure, Aaron. Uh, by the way, if you didn't have the opportunity to listen to last week's um, 
podcast, Jay did a segment on goal setting and kind of brought us up to speed on some of the things that he goes into great detail within his book, uh, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. So uh, it's not that this one cannot be listened to out of order, but certainly after you get done with this one, be sure to go back and check that one out. You know, Jay, we did spend uh, quite a bit of time last week on goal setting, but this time, again, I want to, to spend some time on time management which I, I think that is just so critical, um, regardless of whether you compete in tournaments or you're just a recreational angler. Absolutely, Aaron. You know, uh, we've got a lot of years of research in performance psychology on the importance of managing time, using time wisely, and uh, we can talk about how those things apply to uh, people who fish competitively or just for recreational angling. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the thing is you'll always hear people, especially trying to fit fishing uh, into the schedule. For those of us that work and, and try and keep, you know, day jobs, those few times that we are able to, to go throughout the course of the year, you know, we have so much to do, whether it be through our job, you know, things around the house, family commitments, all of which are very important. But, uh, you know, there never seems to be enough time. So how do psychological principles, you know, specifically like we're talking about here with time management, you know, help the average angler? Well, I think you hit on the major uh, element there, Aaron, and that is that there are always more things to do than there is time to do them in, uh, no matter what facet of life you're looking at. You know, one of the best uh, self-help books out there is the book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And uh, Mr. Covey, of course, has a leadership uh, foundation that has a seminar associated with each of those seven habits. One of the seven habits is first things first, which is his, the way that he talks about time management. That seminar has been requested by churches, schools, businesses, other organizations, more than all the other seminars put together because of the universal phenomena of people being uh, inundated by way too much to do and way too little time. So if we apply that specifically to angling, um, and lots of people have written about this over the years in the sport of fishing as well, there's always more water to cover, uh, more uh, options to try, <laughs> more lures in your tackle box than you could possibly use. And so how does a person uh, organize their time around all these different activities uh, to make the best use of the time that they have? Okay, with that, and, and I totally agree with that because I'm extremely um, you know, analytical and, and kind of anal about making sure that I've got my organization done. You know, I like the planners. I like to have my week planned out and not specific to fishing, you know, the areas that I want to focus on. But on a on a broad scale, I I guess if you will, um, you know I make I make lists every day, um, but it seems like you know I never get my list done, and it seems to create additional frustration, um, you know on those especially on those days that I don't get at least halfway through my list, it seems to frustrate me more than what it does help me. I, how do you deal with that? Well. Um let me uh, back up for just a second, Aaron, and talk about the, what you your referenced to begin with, and that is that the, the tools that anglers have available to them to help manage time. Um, first of all, uh, all of our memories, no matter how smart we are, are infallible instruments, and it does make sense to use uh, some of the uh, physical tools that are available. Um, people can use uh, computers. They can use day timers. They can use uh, calendars that are... Um, you can buy at uh, at Target or at uh, uh, or at Snyder's, uh, or you can use the ty the calendars that are on your computer program 
to organize your time generally and certainly to organize your fishing time. But even for the recreational angler who just makes a basic list of things that they want to make sure that they cover, whether it's uh, spots to try or lures to check out uh, or um, particular techniques to experiment with, if you've got them written down on your list, you're far more likely to do them than you are if you just keep those ideas in your head. We all know how easy it is to get into uh, uh, a chunk and wind mentality where we're just fishing, 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 all of a sudden uh, several minutes or sometimes several hours have gone by and we haven't done anything different for a while. We haven't tried the things we wanted to try. All of a sudden the time gets away from us. We've all had that experience. So using lists, using uh, calendars, using uh, organizing tools um, like planners or uh, other systems like that can be very helpful for people to make sure that they have all of the things that they want to accomplish uh, in a given amount of time covered. Now, with that said, um, there are always more things to do than time to do them in, like we said, and a person needs to be comfortable with that. If you've got um, six things on your list or 20 things on your list, um, no matter how many things are on your list, you could easily not get to them all, and that's just part of the way it works. There will always be things left over at the end of every day, at the end of every fishing trip that we didn't get to, but if we have them written down, in some format, we're more likely to get to a number of them than we would if we didn't write them down. That's the principle to keep in mind. Even if there are some things that are left over, you'll get more of them done if you have a list than if you don't. Well, and, and with that being said, which ties in from our discussion last week, you know, with, with goal setting, one of the, the recommendations that you make internally within your book, which works extremely well, is to more or less take a log of, of your week, I guess, if you will. And then what the to me, how that looks is that allows you to go back and then set realistic goals from a time perspective to know exactly what you can or cannot do just from all the other commitments that you have going on. Well, many of these psychology principles do overlap, Aaron, and uh, I think you make a good point there of seeing the relationship between setting specific goals and then allotting a certain amount of time for each one of your specific goals. So if you're uh, if, you, if you go to a lake and you've got four or five different patterns that you want to check out, it makes sense to um, give yourself a certain amount of time to try each one of those rather than just go to the first one and stay there until you think you should change. It's way more likely that time will get away from you if you do that than if you have, say, 30 minutes or an hour and a half or something like that set aside in advance to address each of those areas that you want to uh, address. Well, and, and talking specifically about time management, you refer to practice. You know, most I think most anglers uh, think of practice as pre-fishing, um, you know, for a specific tournament. Um, but your definition, I guess, of practice it really will be applicable to recreational anglers and tournament competitors as well because it's truly defined as practice. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Well, I think uh, the... The part about um, using time management principles when you practice fish or when you're recreational, recreational fishing um, is to uh, have set aside time at the beginning to determine exactly what you want to do today. Like I said, whether it's uh, different spots to fish or different techniques to try uh, or different lures to use, um, if you have a certain amount of time you would devote to each of those, you're more likely to get all the way through the list and that's true whether you're a recreational fisherman or a competitive angler as well. Yeah, so, so the objective there is, A, you've set or established the, the time parameters, but now you're essentially not only walking away with 
specific objectives as a result of that practice time, but chances are there's going to be a skill improvement that is associated with that. Sure. I mean, we can all think of examples where we went to a lake and we tried a couple of different techniques during the course of a day, and we come back to the dock and we find out that somebody just hammered them on another lure that we were going to try or on another spot that we meant to get to but didn't happen. <laughs> and since we've all had that experience, it makes sense to make the list in advance of spots, techniques, lures, however you want to divide that up, and set aside a particular amount of time for each of them um, so that at the very least, when we get the day finished, um, we haven't failed to explore any of the options that we wanted to look at. Well, and that improves and helps with versatility. You know, I always look at, for instance, let's say a basketball player. Well, the point guard probably is not going to be doing a tremendous amount of layups throughout his career. However, you know, they still, in their pre-game uh, rituals, everybody gets in a line and they go through and, you know, they shoot from afar. But then they also, everybody goes through the line practicing layups. That's just, to, to me, that makes sure that you're constantly prepared uh, regardless of the situation that you're going to be faced with or, or need to address. Well, and that's a good point, too, Aaron. If you uh, remember back to when you played basketball or any other sport that you played, uh, coach had a practice schedule, and you didn't just do layups for the whole hour and a half of practice. You did layups for seven and a half minutes <laughs> or eight right. minutes, and then you uh, practiced free throws, and then you practiced uh, – um, passing drills, and, and when the time was up, the coach blew the whistle and you switched to something else. Uh, coaches are very good at managing time with their uh, athletes in a number of different sports, and for good reason. You don't want to spend your whole practice time shooting free throws or doing layups. Uh, even though th that skill is important, you don't want to just practice one thing. And fishermen, again, whether they're recreational fishermen or competitive fishermen, um, need to keep that same concept in mind. No good coach would just say, uh, you know, dark shirts, white shirts, here, go play, uh, and let the hour and a half go by. We do specific drills for a set amount of time, and then we move on to the next drill, no matter what the sport is. And um, anglers could bring that same type of uh, time management principle to their sport and improve their efficiency as a result. Right, and much like, you know, other sports, it's not, you're not just recognized on the court. Your practice doesn't necessarily just happen you know, with, in this case, basketball, with a ball in hand. Likewise, I think, with, with fishing. Would you agree with that, that there's things that take place off of the water that you can be practicing? Oh, absolutely. No, I think uh, any type of uh, uh, time management for a competitive angler especially involves all kinds of preparatory activities. You know, um, people talk about doing their tackle in the evening before tournament days or after practice days. Um, certainly that's the case. Uh, for uh, tournament anglers, recreational anglers could certainly take a modified version of that. If you spent a half hour, either before or after each of your fishing days, um, going over all of your lures, retying knots, um, sharpening hooks, checking for frayed line, uh, oiling reels, uh, the kinds of things that competitive fishermen do every day, um, you'd be much better off. Then you won't have to worry about those equipment failures that plague the recreational angler who doesn't do those kinds of things as part of their um, preparation. But, again, it takes uh, a certain amount of uh, foresight, a certain amount of planning, a certain amount of uh, managing time specifically around preparing equipment to have that be part of your repertoire. It's very easy to just throw rods and reels in a boat and uh, pull the crank on the motor and uh, head up the lake. You're more likely to make unnecessary mistakes with that kind of an approach than you are if you have uh, lists and checklists 
and time to do the kind of equipment management monitoring and management that uh, competitive anglers do well it's peace of mind i think you know it's just uh, one of the less things that your mind is unconsciously wandering and worrying about subconsciously i guess um you know to your total attention can be focused on what's at hand and that's catching fish because you know you've prepared in all the other ways that's exactly right i had actually had that experience this past weekend the guy that i was fishing with missed uh two or three fish on a particular jig and uh, as he's continuing to cast, he says, geez, I wonder if, if, the, if there's something wrong with this jig. And, uh, and I, I turned to him and I said, if you wonder that, change it. Um, don't let yourself, you know, don't spend your time fishing here. That what your time should be spent on this point is making, at this point is making sure that you have exactly the right lure on so that your confidence and your attention and your focus is on catching the fish. Not on, you don't want to be trying to cast, wondering whether your jig is the right jig or not. Great, great point. Jay, I'm always, it's, I'm always amazed every time, as, a, as long as what I've worked with you, it seems like every time we talk, I always learn something new, and that's what I appreciate uh, about the insight that you bring into the, the sport of, of angling. So, you know, as always, thank you so much uh, for being part of the Edge. But quickly, um, what's some of the different avenues? You know, I know there's a couple out there right now of where uh, uh, anglers and, and listeners can uh, find out more about how to purchase um, the psychology of exceptional fishing. Sure. The book is available, Aaron, on the Bass Edge website. So people can go to BassEdge, B-A-S-S-E-D-G-E dot com uh, and click on Shop Bass Edge. You'll find the psychology of exceptional fishing there. They can also go to my email address, which is uh, j.drfish, J-A-Y dot D-R-F-I-S-H at gmail dot com. And uh, we'll send the uh, links out right away and help people get of the book. I know that's soon to be, uh, I think, uh, soon to be on Amazon.com and also Barnes & Noble. So anyway, Jay, once again, thank you so much uh, for being part of The Edge. It's always a pleasure. Okay, Aaron, thank you. All right, once again, uh, with that, we are out of time. But I want to extend a big thank you to Lisa Craig as well as Dr. Jay McNamara for taking time uh, for us this week. But next week, we have another exciting lineup as Joe Mitchell will be here in the Angler Spotlight to talk about flipping and pitching along with another great product giveaway. For more cutting-edge information, make sure to visit the website at www dot bassedge.com until next time thanks for joining me and i look forward to seeing you next week right here on the edge this week's edition of bass edges the edge has been brought to you by b&w trailer hitches cooks tackle management systems locker bar boat security systems and megaware keel guard for more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.